Welcome to Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not in a Huff. Thanks so much for joining me. As always, really appreciate it. This week, I'm interviewing Cassie Dirks. Now, let me kind of set this up. I reached out to her about Ninja Warrior, American Ninja Warrior, the show. I'm not a huge, you know, Ninja Warrior watcher. You're going to hear that in this conversation that I don't know some basic answers. She was nice enough to kind of explain those things. But I think it's just such a fascinating reality show. We've obviously talked to quite a few people in the reality show world, but this one's kind of an athletic agility course reality show driven program. And she's going to talk about what got her into Ninja. There's a lot more to the Ninja world other than just the show. That's kind of just a side part of it. There's Ninja gyms across the world, all that kind of stuff. We're going to talk all about that. But her other part and what we're going to focus on for the first half of this interview is that along with her family, she helps run a cat cafe in Albuquerque, New Mexico. This is another very fascinating thing where I'm actually a fan of the show on Fox, Call Me Cat, uh, with uh, me and Balak, uh, which I probably butchered that name, but uh, she was uh, she was in how oh excuse me she was in The Big Bang Theory, and uh, it's a great show about a person named Cat that uh, owns a cat cafe, but it really kind of gained steam these cat cafes in Japan back. I don't know, about 10 years ago, there was, you know, these fun YouTube videos about, oh, look at this cat cafe. You go and drink your coffee and a cat comes and sits on your lap. Well, they've, uh, of course, kind of moved across uh, the ocean and and came to the United States. We're going to talk all about how her family decided to start this cat cafe, what that's like, the life of a a cat cafe uh, worker, and uh, it's, it's an interesting thing. I just pairing the two together, like I told her, never thought I would talk to somebody about cats and and ninja, but that's exactly what we do. And I think you're really gonna really enjoy this one. We kind of just briefly touched the surface on ninja. I will actually on a future episode go way more in depth in, with uh, with ninja with another guest. And uh, I think you're gonna enjoy this one. Cat, oh, excuse me. See, I'm calling her cat. Cassie is uh, an amazing person, and I do think you're going to uh, enjoy her. Uh, I think that uh, she's not going to be too upset that I got her cat, given that her whole persona on American Ninja Warrior is all about cats. Uh, so I think you're going to enjoy this one for sure. Do stay tuned for the very end. I have uh, some some things to talk about uh, because if you notice, this is episode 99. So. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk at the end, uh, wrapping things up with with Cassie, and then about the hundredth episode next week. Take it away, uh, Cassie, and uh, the talk on cat cafes and American Ninja. I'm here today with Cassie Dirks. Cassie, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate it very much. Yeah, thank you for having me here. Absolutely. So before we kind of get into all the things I want to talk to you about, because you've got several really cool things about you. Just introduce yourself. Yeah. So uh, my name is Cassie Dirks. I'm 22 years old and I live in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, I'm a three-time American Ninja Warrior competitor um, and I work uh, at a 
environmental consulting company on the HR team, but also during my free time, I help out my family with their cat cafe here in Albuquerque. That's awesome. I guess I want to, I want to first talk about the the cat cafe. Talk about how that, that came about. I know, I feel like that was like a big fad a long time ago or several years ago, like in Asia, we were here seeing like videos of it and then it slowly made its way all over the place. So tell us how it, you decided or your family decided to open one in New Mexico. Yeah, definitely. So um, they did, I think they originated in Japan. Um, and the reason that they came about there is because a lot of people live in like kind of smaller homes where they can't have a cat um, in their own home. So cat cafes were like a place they could go hang out with cats without having to commit to actually adopting one and taking care of it and having a big enough space for a cat, you know? Um, And it slowly became more popular in other parts of the world um, and more and more so in the United States. There's still not a lot of cat cafes in the United States, um, but there's a few of them. And uh, my mom actually uh, was the one who found out about that. And um, she has always been really passionate about helping animals. And so my brother and I, we were uh, getting older and like going on to college and things like that. And she was you know, feeling like she had more time on her hands and she wanted to do something with it. So she came up with the idea of opening her own cat cafe because she didn't really want to be um, like volunteering at a shelter because she was worried she would take all the cats home um, yeah. instead. So this was a way she could still help animals without, um, you know, it's a, it's a little more fun because they're um, basically what a cat cafe is, is it's a cafe, right? So it's this big open building with lots of seating and things like that. But then there's um, a bunch of foster cats that just walk around there and they hang out with the guests and things like that. And people can have a little coffee, they can pick up a book from our little bookshelf, they can pick up a board game, and they can just hang out there with friends while there's cats walking around and they can hang out with the cats. So it was a little bit of a more fun way to kind of get to help out animals. Um, and the really cool part about it is all the cats are adoptable. So um, we've adopted out, we're like at over 700 cats at mm. this point that we've adopted out. So yeah. No, that's awesome. So when she, you guys kind of started leaving the nest and she wanted to go and, and create this cat cafe, was it something you guys were like, shocked about or was it like nah that sounds that sounds about right for for mom um it was definitely shocking just Mm. because uh it was a new concept for me too and I wasn't really sure if it would work just because I hadn't ever seen one before um and so it was definitely shocking and I wasn't sure if it was really going to make it if it was really going to happen but then like it did and it's been three years and it's been hanging in there, even despite the being open, like more than half of the time during a pandemic. Um, So I'm just, I'm really amazed and excited that it worked out. Yeah. Did, did you guys grow up with cats? I always think it would be hilarious if nah, you never even had a cat before this. (laughs) Yeah, we definitely grew up with cats. Um, I, I don't think there was a period of my childhood where there was not a cat in the house with us. So I gotcha. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like cat cafes have, uh, I don't know, maybe became more people know more about them just because, you know, there's a TV show now with a cat cafe. Call me cat. How I'm sure every all TV shows are completely accurate and exactly how things are. How close to running a cat cafe is, is that show? Have you even seen it? 
I haven't seen all of the episodes of it, but I have seen some of it. Um, it's pretty cool that they do actually show the cat cafe and the cats and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and of course, there's some parts that are accurate and some that are not. I think the big inaccuracy is that cat has a lot of time on her hands to do <laughs> things other than run her cat cafe. <laughs> yeah. And that's not really realistic for if you're actually opening a business like that. Um, but I mean, otherwise it's set up pretty much the way a cat cafe is set up where, you know, it's, it's got the cats roaming around with the people and they're adoptable and things like that. So, um, they didn't do a bad job of it at all. Oh, that's good. How do you guys make sure? Cause you said that they, you know, I'm sure they come from a variety of different shelters. How do you guys screen the cats and make sure? Cause I, I mean, there's, I've, I've seen cats in my life. I'm not a big cat person myself, but I've, at which I don't know. I don't, I don't want that to be controversial, but <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I know there's cats that are scared of people. There's cats that aren't very friendly. How do you make sure that these cats are going to not uh, cause a lot of drama in the cafe? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, cats definitely have a wide range of personalities. And so you cannot have every cat out there come to the cat cafe. So they definitely have to be screened beforehand. They have to, for one, be good with other cats because there's a lot of other cats there and they're not in cages. They can interact with each other. So if a cat is going to you know, bully the other cats or be aggressive, we just can't have them there. Um, and then for another, they have to be at least decently good with people. We do sometimes bring in shy cats. And the nice thing about the cat cafe environment is since there's so many people that go through, it can really help the shy cats get more comfortable with people. And we've seen a lot that are just like terrified at first. Um, but then over time, they become just really friendly because they learn that people are nice. Um, so we do take shy cats, but we just can't take, again, aggressive cats, like cats that are just totally feral and might bite someone. We can't have them there. Yeah. So I, I guess, too, w- what about conversely? How do you guys like monitor people? I'm sure there's not people doing mean things. Right? I feel like there would be some that are just so eager, like, no, this cat, you're going to stay with me, even though with the cat's trying to get away. How do you like make sure that people are just as chill as the cat you're supposed to be? Yes, that's a really good question. And we have definitely a lot of people come in who haven't necessarily like interacted with cats before. So they don't always know, um, you know, how to respect their boundaries and things like that. Um, So we do have some rules that we give people when they come in. um, And one of them is to not pick up the cats um, because a lot of times if you force a cat to stay with you, that's going to just freak them out and we don't want them to scratch someone or something like that. Uh, We recommend instead that they just, you know, take a seat with a toy. And a lot of the times the cat will come up and sit on their lap, like all on their own. And it's a better experience because the cat feels a little more secure. It's not feeling like it's forced to be there. Um, so yeah, that's one rule we have and we try and, you know, just be really vigilant when people are there to make sure they're following that and make sure they're handling the cats correctly. And if they're not, a lot of times we'll, you know, just gently be all like, oh, Hey, why don't you try playing with the cat this way instead? It'll probably respond better. Um, and then the second thing is we do family nights. So we don't have little kids there all the time. We try and have them there at a certain time when we have more staffing so we can keep a closer eye on them and be there again to, you know, constructively show them how to interact with cats, especially if they've never interacted with a cat before. They don't always naturally know how to do that. And we just really want to make sure everyone has a good time and no one has a cat that gets mad at them. So yeah. Yeah. So are you said, are all the cats adoptable? I feel like 
I mean, obviously that would be great, but I feel like two would maybe be good if you had, you know, like a core four or five that, you know, like Bobby or whatever, just, he loves people and he, he's going to make the cafe, you know, a, a good environment. So he stays here or is all of them adoptable. So sometimes you have, you know, really friendly ones and sometimes some shy ones, or do you have some that are, are cafe livers? Yeah, so some cat cafes will have what they call resident cats where they are not adoptable. We don't do that. We um, we thought about the concept, but we found that it's not the most, our cat cafe anyway, isn't the most ideal place for a cat to be long-term. Um, it's a really nice place for them to be short-term as opposed to being, um, you know, in a kennel somewhere. But Long-term, it's a little bit too much change for them because there's new cats coming in all the time. There's new people coming in all the time and it can just get stressful after too much time. So we've had uh, some cats that were just super friendly that we thought about as potential candidates for resident cats, but we kind of noticed that they got a little less happy the longer they were there. Um, So in our opinion, we decided that um, it's probably better to let them all be adoptable so they can go to a home where they're going to be familiar with the environment. There's not going to be all this change and they can just really settle in. Yeah. Well, that kind of brings up a, a more sad question. How long do you guys keep cats if they don't get adopted? Like, nah, all right, you got to go back. No one, no one's adopting you. <laughs> Um, yeah, we keep them until they get adopted unless they start getting aggressive. The only reason we'll send a cat back is because they're being aggressive with the other cats or if there's some other reason we feel like they're just not happy at the cat cafe. Like sometimes they're just way too shy and they get way too stressed out being there. Um, so we won't send them back unless it's for their own good or for the good of the other cats. But yeah, we've kept cats at the cat cafe for over a year. Like we've had um, some come in that were just like really shy and took a really long time to come around. And so people weren't necessarily as drawn to that cat and willing to adopt it. Um, but we stuck stuck it through with that cat until they eventually did find their person. Yeah. How, so w- when somebody does want to adopt, what does that look like? Is it something people can come in and one day fall in love with a cat and take it home? Or is there kind of a application process or, or what does that look like? Yeah. And um, that's a really good question too. So it's different from a normal shelter because these aren't our cats. We're just the foster for the cat. They all come from different shelters and rescue groups. And so how it works is when someone finds a cat that they like, they fill out an application and we have to send it to the appropriate shelter or rescue group and get approval before we send the cat home. So it's not usually an immediate process. Usually um, people have to wait a day or so to take the cat home. I'm putting you on the spot here, but any kind of like Funny stories, anything that's happened, interesting, whether it's between the cats, people, any any funny things about the cat cafe? Oh, that's a good question. Um, let me think about that for a minute. Mm, okay, well, I do think one thing that's kind of funny is, um, so when we first opened the cat cafe, we started with a group of like nine cats or something like that. And I told myself, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to be really good about not adopting any of the cats myself, because Mm -hmm. that will become a slippery slope if I get too attached to them. And anytime there's a cat I really like, I'm like, oh, I'll just adopt it. Um, Especially as I was like getting older and I was getting ready to move out and find my own place where I wasn't going to have any cats. Um, 
But I actually was the first adopter of the cat cafe. The very first cat that Mm. got adopted out was adopted out by me. And it's because I fell in love with one of them right at the start. Um, So I adopted the first cat and then um, we had like, I don't even like five or 600 more adoptions, five or 600 more cats that went through. And I managed to like stay strong and not take any more aside from that one. And then I finally adopted a second one. So um, now that I'm at two, that's like my limit and I'm going to have to call it there. But um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Well, that's, I think what they call them like foster fails, but I feel like that's the best fail you can get. If you, if you like, you like something and you keep it for sure. I like that though. So, how many, you said that you started with that kind of a core nine, how many cats are, do you guys have in this cafe? There's a, I feel like there's probably a happy medium between where's a cat. I can't even see any cats around here and you're stepping on cats trying to go to the bathroom. Yeah, definitely. So nine, I mean, when we started, we didn't really know what to expect. Um, and nine definitely turned out to be like way not enough. Um, and so we've decided our happy medium is about 20 cats. If you have a little bit less than that, it can feel kind of sparse in there. There's not really enough cats to keep up with adoption demand. And um, it's not quite as fun for visitors. Um, If you get to, you know, sometimes we'll get up to 25 and that's okay. But it seems like if you get past 25, that's where the cats start to feel like they don't have enough space to themselves and they can get kind of grouchy with each other. Yeah. Well, that brings up the last question about the cat cafes. And it's just what I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, maybe that definitely the people that aren't cat people. And how do you keep things clean? How do you keep things not hairy and smelly? Uh, Just a personal drama. My front uh, flower box, a cat keeps going to the bathroom in there. So it smells in front of my house sometimes. So with 20 cats, I can only imagine if you didn't uh, keep up on things that it would be a It'd be an interesting place. Yes, definitely. So um, one of the most common compliments we get from visitors is like, wow, it's so clean in here. I'm so shocked it's so clean in here. And that's because we definitely put a lot of effort into making sure it's super clean in there. And that's something we really pride ourselves on is just the level of cleanliness we keep up, especially during COVID. That was really important too. Um, But every morning uh, we spend two hours opening up the place and we'll just, we'll vacuum the whole floor, we'll mop the whole floor, we'll wipe down all of the counters, do the litter pans, do a bunch of lint rollering, like all sorts of things like that um, every morning. And then just throughout the day, um, it's a lot of cleaning too. It's a lot of like lint rollering things and making sure the cats haven't knocked over things and all sorts of things like that. So a lot of times too, when, um, people apply for like a job there, they're kind of expecting that it's going to be a lot of like hanging around and petting cats. And then they're a little surprised that like a huge part of the job is cleaning stuff. It's a lot of cleaning stuff. So yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine. I can only imagine that for sure. So I want to transition to the, the American Ninja Warrior part. And you, you told me that this has a kind of a tie into the cat cafe. So talk about that. Yeah, definitely. So uh, the Cat Cafe is the whole reason I'm on American Ninja Warrior, actually. Um, So with American Ninja Warrior, um, it's a lot more than just being able to do the obstacles. Um, It's a TV show and they really like to have just interesting people with interesting backgrounds on there. Um, You know, I've had people kind of ask me like, 
so how did you manage to get on the show? Because, you know, I've got some fellow people at the Ninja Gym who are definitely better at the obstacles than me, but haven't been able to get on the show. But that's my big secret. Like I got on the show because I've got an interesting backstory. Um, I've got this whole cat cafe experience to talk about. And um, that's kind of how I've branded myself on the show is, you know, the, the cat person ninja. So um my first season that I was on the show, they did a really cool um, kind of background on me where they showed a lot of clips of the cat cafe and they showed, um, they actually had my cat like watching my run. So they had her on a little screen next to the course um, and showed her like watching me go through it and stuff. Um, and, you know, I had her on my shirt and my whole thing was like, I'm on this show to raise awareness about cat adoption and things like that. So yeah, they're really closely connected. No, I, I hear that. I've interviewed quite a few people on kind of reality shows and, and yeah, that's something that shocked me when I first started talking to people, like definitely like on singing competitions. I, you know, they talked about how there was tons of really, really great singers, but then when they did the interview, they didn't have a great backstory. They're like, eh, now nah, we'll just take a, somebody that's not as good, but they, you know, they, hiked Mount Everest or something. So you've got to have that backstory. I, I get that for sure. Let's take a step back. Everyone's like American Ninja Warrior. What the heck are we talking about? What is, well, let's stop. Let's start at just what I, I don't even know. I, I only really know American Ninja Warrior. So I don't even really know what it's called when it's not that show. Is it just Ninja or Ninja Warrior? Talk about what that even means, what this even is that we're talking about. Yeah, that's a good question. So most people are familiar with the show American Ninja Warrior. And basically the show is um, an obstacle course and there's a lot of contestants that go through it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, whoever gets the furthest, the fastest moves on to the next round where there's a harder obstacle course. Um, But outside there's actually this whole community outside of the show that a lot of people don't know about as well. Um, And so there's ninja gyms like all over the country now it used to not be that common of a thing but it's become really common I think most states that you go to probably have one and New Mexico actually fun fact had four ninja gyms pre-pandemic and then of course the pandemic shut a couple of them down um but yeah there's this huge community outside of the show um and a lot of people just call that you know like the ninja community or ninja warrior community Um, and that's a really cool thing to be a part of because it's super supportive. There's a lot of cool people that you meet at these ninja gyms. Um, and I've just found that they always have this like super supportive environment and culture of just, you know, helping each other get better and things like that. And it's a really special thing to be a part of for me. Yeah. How long have you been doing it and what made you want to, to start this world? Yeah. So I guess like taking you way back to how I got into this, um, there was actually a parkour gym that opened in Albuquerque, Mm. um, probably when I was like 15 or something like that. And I started going there. Um, and that got me into kind of the world of this type of athletic thing. I actually was not athletic at all as a kid, but, Mm. um, I, uh, are you familiar with the TV show Avatar? Yeah, but not not much. <laughs> okay, well, there's this character on Avatar called Ty Lee, and she's like this acrobat kind of, and she was like my childhood like 
idol, you know, and I was like, I want to be able to do handstands like Ty Lee can on Avatar. So mm. that's why I started going to the parkour gym. And then from there, I found out about the Ninja Gym. And I was like, oh, this also sounds kind of cool. It sounds pretty similar. Um, and so I went to try that in 2016. Um, and um, it was just re- it was actually re- pretty similar to parkour. There was a lot of like crossover Um, But I was a little bit better at ninja than I was at parkour. So I Mm. sort of started to get into that more so uh, than parkour. And so I've, yeah, I've been going there. I'm 22 now. And I started when I was like 15. So I guess like seven years um, I've been doing it. Um, And that's, that's how I got into the idea of going on the show is a lot of people at the ninja gym encouraged me to try it. A lot of them were applying for the show. And I was like, you know what, I'll just give it a shot. And I didn't have like super high hopes I was actually going to get on, but then I did. You know, I, a lot of, I talked to a lot of people doing interesting things and, you know, they're always like, Oh, it's something you could do. I feel like this is something that at this stage in my life, I definitely could not do because the older I get, the more afraid I get of heights. So I feel like I don't know that I would be able to, in the old days, jump off of cliffs, go into the water, didn't care. But now I, I know my own mortality. I feel, is there a lot of heights to it? That's uh, fair. I think that's another reason I sort of transitioned from parkour to ninja um, because there is, there's a lot of heights in both sports, but with ninja, I feel a lot more comfortable with it because parkour, a lot of the times you're doing that outside and there's not really mats or, I mean, parkour athletes are super safe about the way they train and things like that. But I personally feel a little bit more nervous about it um, yeah. when there's not like some sort of mat underneath me. Cause I'm always worried that I'm going to like mess something up. Um, so it is scary, but there's always mats underneath you at the ninja gym and um, on the course, they have those big pools of water. So if you fall, you're just falling into water. That doesn't mean it's not scary, but it's at least a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing. I think that's why people like the show so much is to, you can cheer people on, but they're also doing some, some crazy, you know, courses and and things like that. Is it, I don't know about this part. I may be wrong here, but you know, we talked about the cat cafes kind of came over from Asia. Did this come from, from Asia too? I feel like I've seen old shows of people going through obstacle courses there too. Yeah, that's actually, I've never thought about that before, but that's a really uh, funny, you know, coincidence that this also, I believe, originated in Japan. I'm not super, I'm not super caught up on the history of American Ninja Warrior, but I think the first ever show started in Japan and then it came over to America. So yeah, that's, that's a funny thing you noticed there. Yeah. So when you decided to, that you wanted to apply for the show, you talked about applying. So I guess it's, it's that kind of process. Do they, uh, like, is it at all about your abilities? Like, how do they pick who is going to be on? Do they come and watch you train? Do you go through a, a test obstacle course with them? Or how does that, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it is a little bit about both abilities and about um your personality and your backstory. So there's two parts to the application. Uh, the first part is you fill out Uh, a questionnaire and there's a lot of questions you know about your age and your career and where you're from and just all sorts of like background questions about you Um, and then the second part is you make a submission video so I think it's like a three minute 
about long video. Um, and for part of the video, you are supposed to show your physical abilities. And that doesn't have to be necessarily like going through an obstacle course at a ninja gym. A lot of people will show off like themselves doing parkour or doing rock climbing or weightlifting or you know, swinging around on bars on a playground or something like that. You don't have to have a ninja gym in order to be able to submit a video. Um, you just have to show some level of physical ability. So they know you have like kind of a chance at doing part of the course. Um, and then about half of the video is also supposed to be showing your personality and showing, you know, that you're kind of the person they would want to put on TV. If you've got a super dry personality it's not going to be as easy to have you on tv so they want to see you talking to the camera they want to see you showing off your background so i'll always like have clips of my cats in the cat cafe that i'm talking about and updating them on what's new and things like that so within the show because i've only watched you know the show one off so i haven't really like watched a season um is it you know, is it something that there's a competition that people like, because I noticed like, you know, I've looked kind of into interviewing people. There's people like on season 11, 12, 13, and 14, like, it, do you keep auditioning for new seasons? Is there like, okay, the champion comes back next year or what does that look like? Yes. You have to put in a new submission video um, every season. Um, even if you've been on before, you still put in a new submission video um, just so it's fair. Everyone's going through the same process. Um, and also because they like to see what's kind of new with you. If you don't really have anything new going on, I mean, it's kind of hard to talk about about you and about your background on this show. So even if you've been on before, you still put in a submission video and you update them on like what you've been doing and that type of thing. Gotcha. So is is, is, is the season like work like towards a, like a championship at the end of the season or is it just people that get through each course each each week and that's it yeah so um it it does progressively get harder and go up um so you start with the qualifiers and that's like the biggest batch of people and then they only take a certain amount of men and a certain amount of women from the qualifiers to move them on to the next round all the way until the final round. And then there's always some sort of like prize for the top ninja at the end. I think it's kind of changed over the years, like how much money it is, but there is ultimately one like person that they crown the ninja warrior of that season. Yeah. I always like to just break things down. If people have never even seen a show, a lot of these questions, I don't know the answers to either, but I feel like you know, if I was you, I'd be like, dude, why are you asking me all these questions? What are you, do you even watch the dang show? You're asking me all these simple questions about, about this show that you're, that you have me on for, but I think that's funny. No, I think it's totally fair. A lot of people, I mean, I wasn't right. really familiar with the show until right. I was applying for it. So a lot of people are not. Right. So for a question for people that do really, you know, like the show, what's some things that might surprise people about the show? Um, you know, about the process, whether it's the behind the scenes, whether it's how it all works out. I already know one, uh, which I'm going to take from you, unfortunately, because it's came to where I live in Indianapolis a few times. They film it on the circle, which is really cool. And the thing that always, well, I mean, the thing that surprised me is, you know, when they're, they're trying to get a, an audience to be there, they film it at like two o'clock in the morning because they don't want, you know, cars around and that's when they can shut down you know the 
the big downtown. So it's filmed in the middle of the night in Indianapolis. I don't know how it is other places, but that was a surprising thing to me. Yes. So I actually, um, I'm very lucky because I started um, applying for the show. Like my first season was like right at the start of the pandemic. And so they totally changed the way they do it. And so the last three seasons I've been on, they had it in an indoors structure because they were like limiting how many people could be there because they wanted to test everyone for COVID who was going to be there and just like really minimize any potential impact there. So I actually got to do it during the day because Mm. it was in that contained environment, um, which was really nice. But yes, a lot of people don't know, like a lot of the prior seasons were filmed like at nighttime right in the middle of the night. And I do not know how those ninjas did that. Cause I would be like, you've got so much anxiety when you're there in person and like the obstacles are bigger than they look on the show and the lights mm. are brighter than they look on the show. And then if it's the middle of the night and you're feeling tired, like, I don't know how they do that. Um, but yeah, I'd say that's definitely another thing that was surprising to me is just how different it looks in person, like mm. how much more intimidating it looks in person um I think another kind of fun fact um is that the water is really cold in person like you fall into that water and it's just shocking how cold it is and then yeah I think it's just it was really definitely like a magical experience to be there in person it felt pretty surreal because you're seeing all of these people you've seen on tv before and you're like talking to them like um Sam San is the ninja who's been on there like way since the start and I've seen him on TV a million times before and he's like a certain level of celebrity and then I was like backstage taking a selfie with him and stuff so um yeah it's just it's really surreal yeah well you talk about level of of celebrity you said your cat watched you do it once you got home and now you're a a big tv star did did your cat treat you differently did it feel (laughs) like you were a celebrity now um, no, as, as a typical cat, um, she is the one, well, I've got two nowadays, but, um, yeah. my, both of my cats are the, uh, celebrities of my household. They're kind of, they know that they are the big bosses there. And yeah. so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You come home and it's like, yeah, TV star, give me some food. I don't care about none of that. Yeah, definitely. You know, so what, what do you hope your, your future holds in, in the ninja world? Are you wanting to ever go back on the show or are you just liking the you know the gym aspect are you moving away from ninja altogether what uh, what is what's the future hold yeah um so i would definitely love to go back on this show and kind of get some redemption from my previous runs i've never gotten like as far as i've liked to get through the course mm-hmm. um and so i think like every opportunity i get to get to try and do it better is one that I'm going to take. Of course, it's never guaranteed that you're actually going to get on the show. But one way or another, I think the Ninja Gym is always going to be a part of my life because that's kind of turned into a part of my identity now um, is that community and that support system there. So one way or another, I'll be training. And, um, you know, I had a friend who put it this way that, uh, American Ninja Warrior, the show is just an extra benefit. Like the community is really what it's about. Um, And if I happen to get on again, that's really cool. But Ninja will always be a part of my life one way or another. So what about outside of of the Ninja world? What, uh, what do you hope the the future holds there? 
Yes, that's a good question. So I just I just graduated from my MBA program. I just started this full-time job. Um, I just moved in with my boyfriend. So now we actually have three cats instead of two because he has one he adopted from the cat cafe too. Um, So I am just like starting out my real adult life. Um, And I'm not super sure what to expect of it, but I'm very excited. Um, And uh, I think think one way or another, cats are going to be a huge focus of my life outside of Ninja. Um, We're currently working on building a catio for our three cats um, in the new house. So if you're not familiar with a catio, it's like a outside enclosed structure. So the cats can have outdoor time without killing any birds or getting run over by cars or that type of thing. So, yeah. There you go. Well, I, I really like that you're, you're really as invested in cats as it seems, you know, there's so many people that maybe aren't the way that it seems when it comes to, you know, I own a, or I, I work at a cat cafe and, you know, I was the cat person on Ninja Warrior, but fun fact, I don't actually even have any cats. So that would have <laughs> been interesting, but no, you, you lean into it for sure. So I like that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so yeah. What, how, how can people find you? How can people connect? They want to know more about Ninja Warrior. What, like, what, what's your, what's your social media? Yeah. So my personal social media is um, C-E-D-I-E-R-K-S. So it's my first initial, my middle initial, and then my last name. Um, and so you'll find lots of ninja and cat stuff on there. Um, if you're interested in cat stuff, the Cat Cafe's social media is Catopia Cat Cafe. Awesome. Is that so is that I assume that's Instagram? Is that Facebook? Where we're where we looking at? Yes, Instagram. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time. I learned a ton about both ninja and cats, not something I thought I would ever put together, but I really, really appreciate you you coming on. Yeah, thank you so much. It was very cool to meet you and get to talk with you about that. So that was Cassie Dirks. What an amazing person. Really, really enjoyed speaking with her. You know, this week I said a lot of controversial stuff. We learned that I am not a huge cat fan. Don't come at me for that. We learned that I don't know a ton about American Ninja Warrior. I'm so glad that she taught me more about that. We learned that I can't say the name Mayim Bialik, who obviously was Amy Farrah Fowler on The Big Bang Theory. She is a host on Jeopardy. She's on Call Me Cat, an amazing, amazing person in her own right. I apologize in the beginning for not saying her name correctly. But yeah, I really, really enjoyed speaking with, with Cassie this week. Really, really um, fascinating stuff just to learn about American Ninja Warrior. We're going to go deeper into that in another week, like I've already mentioned, about cat cafes. Such a, a phase, or not phase, such a craze, uh, a, you know, a few years ago, seeing all the cat cafes online and the features about that and now how they're making their way to the United States and checking out... Uh, you know, check out hers in, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, should you be in the area. Uh, as far as checking her out, she gave her her information. Though That will be in the show notes. She gave the information to the Cat Cafe. Go check that out, too, if you're ever going to be in, in Albuquerque. Uh, I know that uh, you'll have a, a great time there. Plenty of cats to uh, to talk with. Uh, make sure that you're on your, your best behavior, just like she mentioned, that, hey, don't pick up the cats. Let them come to you. But yeah, 
Really, really appreciate Cassie. Thank you, Cassie. Let's get to uh, next week. Next week's the 100th episode. I'm going to go into kind of some details at the beginning of that episode about just how thankful I am that you've, uh, you guys have been here for 100 episodes. That's insane. That's almost two years of, of putting this out every single week. If you remember for the first month, maybe two months, it was every other week, but then the episodes and the interviews just started. Uh, it, w- it would back up way too much if I did it every other week. So it became a every week thing, and that's been going strong for a good, uh, good, oh goodness, year and at least 10 months probably. So I, I can't thank you guys enough. I'm going to talk more about how thankful I am next week. Uh, you know, I don't go into a lot of detail about myself very much in this. It's all about my guests and learning about them. Don't give a lot of opinions. Next week, gonna, I'm not going to give opinions, but we're going to go into a little more detail about your host that you've, uh, that you've coped with for the last 100 episodes, listened to for the last 100 episodes. If this is your first episode listening, you're one of Cassie's friends, you're like, oh, man, what is this dude even talking about? This is 100 episodes in. I've never listened to him, period. And now I've got to listen to all this. Co- just deal with me for just a second, if you would. Um, but <laughs> I, uh, I, I, just, I really appreciate everyone who's, who's been here. I'm not going to go into all that now. Um, but I was so conflicted on what I wanted for my 100th episode. If I wanted just an episode where I did nothing but talk about myself, don't worry, that's not what I did. Um, what I wanted an episode, which is a really major guest, I didn't do that either. I, I kind of took it back to something that's really special to me. You know, we've learned so much about people that I've never met. We're meeting them together. And uh, next week is going to be about somebody who's very close to me in my life. I'm not going to necessarily tell you who that person is. We'll wait for next week. I'll tell you they've got quite a story to tell. It's not just some... You know, I'm not like I'm just introducing you to some rando because they're my I, my friend, uh, somebody with with quite the story and, and a story that I want to uh, to preserve for for my family. So I think that you're going to enjoy next week, whether you know the person, which most of you won't, or uh, whether it's just another week of learning about a, a fascinating person. That's exactly what you're going to get next week, and uh, I, I really am I'm excited to to. Uh, me, have you meet somebody um, in my life? So I uh, I can't wait for you to listen next week. I do want to urge you in this 99th episode, go follow us on Instagram, Not Enough Podcast, on Facebook, Not Enough with Jackson Huffs, the page. Go give us those five stars on Apple and on Spotify. Leave a written review. That would help me a lot. That's on uh, Apple. I uh, I just might be saying and uh, introducing a giveaway next week on my 100th episode. And those who are eligible are those who have subscribed or followed, those who have written reviews, and those who have given me uh, five stars. So it might be a good thing to do that before next week because it might be a requirement. So thank you for, for listening. Thanks for listening to this much much extended ending this week. I'll have a lot more to say next week on the 100th episode, but just know that I'm thankful for you. Know that I'm uh, thankful for this week's guest, Cassie Dirks, and uh, we'll see you next week. Take it away, Chris. This has been Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest. 
who is sure to make you laugh or make you think. Or hey, maybe even both. But until then, keep being awesome.